Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon or evening, I guess, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your host, Zach Van Norman, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Amy Hood, and the new addition to the podcast hosting staff, Ashley Benson. Hello, ladies, women, girls, princesses, (laughs) queens. Queens. (laughs) Hello, darling. Amy, how are you? Very, very well. I'm feeling much better. How are you guys? I'm I am doing well. I can't complain. I'm still in Seattle for a little bit longer, and then I'll be heading back to California soon. So I'm anxious to go to the beach, if I'm perfectly honest. But that's that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Ashley, how are you doing, love? I am doing fantastic. I am not fortunate enough to go to the beach here in Chicago. We are we're finally getting fall weather, so I'm like, ooh, jackets, sweaters, yes. <laughs> Yes, all of the fall clothing. Loving it. Yes. <laughs> all right, everybody. So we have um I know that it says on the uh on if you're listening to this, I know that it says that we're doing an hour and a half show, but I it's actually scheduled wrong. It's only gonna be an hour tonight because we have some scheduling conflicts going on, so we have to try and kinda of get through things a little bit quicker than normal. So we're gonna dive right on into our news bits and then we'll get into the episode discussion of an episode that is Um, Pretty popular, at least among the three of us, I will say. So let's get into it. Um, Number one, the ratings for Once Upon a Time are still going very, very strong this season. Happy to hear that. Um, Last, this Sunday's episode had 9.4, I think, million viewers, if I'm right. Um, Keeping the numbers good. We didn't have that big of a drop from the the, uh, premiere, so that's always nice to have good ratings because it means that we're going to have the show a little bit longer. Yay! Ratings are always great. Yes, and especially since Sundays are so busy nowadays, too, you know, sports and whatnot. Yes, there was a lot of sports on Sunday, so I didn't even think about that. The fact that we kept our ratings up was is even a bigger deal. So I'm super excited about that. And another thing I'm very, very excited about, and I know – one thing I absolutely love about doing this podcast with Zach and now with Ashley is that both of them loved Wonderland as much as I did. And I'm so, so excited because next week's episode is confirmed that the week is that this is the week that the knave is coming. So I'm hoping and coughing my little scarlet queen heart that, uh, you know, there's no breakup or anything horrible has happened in Wonderland. But I'm very, very excited to see that he's coming to the episode next week. Well, yeah, no, I'm really glad. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm super stoked to see him too. I do, did enjoy uh, Scarlet Queen, um, and I think it's it's going to be pretty interesting seeing him back in town. I'm not sure how he got there or in regards to the timeline, because you know, if you watch Wonderland, moving between realms was a bit easier. It seemed on that show. You had mirrors and rabbits, rabbits. and <laughs> other what is it, wishing wells? It's, I don't know. You literally everything could go through. Uh, go through realms, so I'm interested to see how he's going to um, kind of be established within Storybrooke. He wrote a magical piece of toast for Wonderland, too. <laughs> Storybrooke. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how they're going to work this, too, because, um, you know, Wonderland ended, well, I guess I should put a spoiler alert out for anybody who's listening who hasn't watched Wonderland yet. So you've got a five-second spoiler alert warning, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So Wonderland ended with Will Scarlet and Anastasia the Red Queen becoming the rulers of Wonderland and becoming, you know, the white king and queen. So I'm really interested to see how exactly he's going to work in, considering that they are not bringing Anastasia onto the show, which makes me a little bit sad because I do adore Emma Rigby's Red Queen, but that's neither here nor there, I suppose, because she's not coming. I hope that there's some, like, secret plan in place that she's going to be, like, some secret guest star that they haven't revealed yet that's, like, a total secret that we won't know until we see her, but I don't I mean, I don't know if that'll happen, but I think it'd be pretty cool. Definitely. All the Wonderland, all the Wonderland on once. I'm all on board with that. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And it's cool because, um, 
there, on this week's episode, you know, there were a lot of uh, really good scenes that, you know, occurred, um, especially towards the end. There was this great scene with Regina and Henry, which we will get to talk about in just a second. But surprisingly enough, there was a deleted scene that we did not get to see on the show. They released it online later on. And uh, I believe that Ashley has a little bit of details about that, don't you, Dolly? Yes, I do indeed. Um, first off, I have to say... I would have loved to have this scene in the episode. Um, if you haven't watched it, which you totally should, because it it's a Snow White and Regina scene, and, and these two characters have come so far, so it's always great to see them on, on screen together. Um, but if you haven't watched it, basically Snow White bandits her way into the mayoral maze um, and is basically asking Regina for help uh, regarding the blackout. And Regina's... Regina's you know, she's still in her funk. She's still in her isolation. You know, she has her walls up, though they may not be icy. And pretty much, I, she very gently tells Snow that it's her problem now, which I think is an interesting, she brings an interesting point because she says, well, your curse, your mare, your problem, which, you know, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting take on it. Um, but Regina does kind of clue Snow into the generator and the power plant, so she's not... If this had been season two, Regina would have been like, you know, sucks for you. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so that's what I really love about the scene is that it showed so much growth between these characters. The fact that Snow White is seeking advice from Regina as she would of her stepmother. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and then, yes, yeah, yes. I was saying, and then you obviously have Regina asking after Henry and Snow kind of, again, gently telling Regina, you know, well, he's still a kid. He's not really processing this, processing this on the same level as you. Um, but it's like only about a two-and-a-half-minute scene, but it, you, get to, you get a lot of great character interaction there, and it's something that I would have liked to see um, folded into the rest of the episode. I am in complete agreement with you on that. I wish that I wish it had been included, too. It seems like it's more of a character-building scene than anything else you know it's it's kind of going along with the scenes from season three where uh you know snow and regina really bonded like in witch hunt and in bleeding through i feel like it was kind of a continuation of their relationship growth so i was a little bit sad that they did not include it in the episode i agree because obviously you guys know i love regina but i feel like it was the scene was so great at getting right back at the heart of what started the show, the whole dynamic between Snow and Regina and how, you know, it, it's it's come so far. And I feel like this short, tiny little scene was amazing and it could have done so much for it. And I'm really, really sad that it got cut out because I absolutely love the interaction between the two of them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I just, it, I mean, I'm very glad that we got to see it at all, though, too. I mean, it could have been something that we would have seen, like, what, months months away on the DVD, but like, why? But, you know, getting it fresh off the episode, though, I think that also helped, too. So, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful we got to see it at all, but I yeah. agree. It, it it was an important scene. It, it should have It should have stayed. I agree. Um, when I was watching the episode again for the podcast, I couldn't really find any scenes to cut out where it could go because the thing is that that, that scene would have taken place at the beginning of the episode because then the rest of the episode is when Snow was trying to get the power going at the power plant. So it would have happened, you know, had to have happened early on. And none of those early scenes, from what I could tell, like they were all kind of necessary to – the rest of the episode. So I understand why it didn't make it. I'm with you. I, I'm glad that we got to see it at all. I'm glad that they gave it to us now instead of showing it on the DVD like almost a year afterwards because you're right. We all would have been like, why isn't this included? But, um, oh, yes. but you know, looking at the episode as a whole, I, I do understand why they had to cut it out. It just it makes me sad. I mean, but, you know, it's to Jane Espenson's credit that she wrote such a great episode that there wasn't a scene that they could cut early on to include it. So, you know, there it is. Yeah. That's true. It would have been weird in the flow. I agree. Yeah. 
And then in addition to the deleted scene, there was also some big stuff going on with the, uh, with the convention circuit because New York Comic Con is uh, this, well, is it this coming weekend, right? It's yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They've been doing some things during the week, kind of they call it New York Super Week, and they've been having folks in their kind of uh, the, the quiet rumblings leading up to the uh, convention. Um, but the official quote-unquote convention, I do believe, is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, and that's going to be happening in New York City again. And in attendance at this convention will be Sean McGuire, who, of course, plays Robin Hood, Giancarlo yeah. Esposito, who plays um, Sydney, the Magic Mirror, the Genie, you know, Gus, um, and also Jennifer Morrison. You may have heard of her. She plays this character called yeah. Emma on the show. Kind of a kind of a side character. Nobody knows. And then um, we've also got Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis going along, too. So the five of them will be in attendance at New York City Comic Con this weekend, discussing the show, you know, possibly getting some hints about what's going to happen. I can't imagine that there won't be questions that people are going to be asking them, and we might get some more information out of them as far as what's coming up. So it's going to be a pretty exciting weekend as far as the news goes. So make sure, everybody, that you stay tuned to uh, Once Upon a Fan and Once Upon a Time fans because we will be bringing you the latest news as ever, like we always do. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for our our news roundup this week. I am anxious and ready to get into discussion of this week's episode, so let's just go ahead and do that. Um, let's do overall impressions first. Um, my overall impression, I really liked this episode a lot. It had a lot of fun uh, Frozen references. There was a lot of uh, metaphor action going on which I adore. It's totally my thing. Um, there are certain scenes in particular, which I will gush about when we get to them, but I will just say on the onset that um, can we please just fill this entire first half of the season with scenes between Emma and Elsa? Because I don't think I've ever loved her having a scene with anybody more except for, you know, Neil Henry. Which, okay, so maybe that's not true. I've loved her having scenes with other people. But but I seriously, I, I was not expecting to love those scenes as much as I did, um, particularly in the ice cave. I, I thought they were fantastic. Amy, what was your view? Well, I was skeptical when I read the news release that there was a warlord Bo Peep, but I knew Jane Espenson had written it, so I was like, eh, I freaking loved this episode. Oh, my God, it was so fun. And like you said, the Emma and the Bo Peep, oh, my gosh, the Bo Peep. And the charming hair, can we, oh, you know, we're going to talk about the charming hair, but, oh, my God, oh, my God. I thought this episode was so fun, and, like you said, metaphors, oh, so much fun. Love, 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 loved it. Ashley, how did you feel about it? I loved it as well. I really, I felt like it was fun. Like, it felt to me really once like, it felt really once upon a time I I don't, that's not a very articulate way of putting it, but um, <laughs> it, 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 it just, like, you, like, the interesting twist, like, you're talking about Bo Peep, and I, we will talk about Bo Peep in a minute, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to really dig as that character as much as I did. Um, and then going off of what Zach said, I, uh, Elsa is growing on me quite a bit. I really did enjoy her and Emma's scene. Um, in the uh, Fortress of Solitude there. Um, I I just think the entire episode was just, you got little bits of character moments, and then it was framed by Frozen once again, um, which I appreciate. Like, I don't feel like I was getting... Uh, too much frozen. I felt like we were still really it was more once upon a time and again, yeah, the metaphors just all them walls, yo. Um right. I I loved it. Did you guys love Anna in this one? I loved Anna. Oh my god. I thought she was absolutely adorable. I felt she was a bit more subdued than she was in the first episode. Like the first episode she was she was chattering away, but this episode you could tell as quirky as she was, she was still buckling down for a mission. She was taking what she had to do, her task at hand, as seriously as well as, as she could, but she was still herself. Um, and I did, I did, I was, she's growing on me too. Yeah, I loved Anna in this episode. She was a little bit more subdued, 
But I think that it makes sense considering the context of what was going on with her because she had some serious, you know, business. She's trying to figure out what exactly is going on with her sister and everything. So, um, but but again, I have to give a huge huge props to, you know, Elizabeth Lale while we're on the subject of of Anna because she has nailed this character's you know mannerisms, her rate of speech. Um, you know, she's got them nailed down pat. Same thing for Georgina Haig. You know, they they completely embody these characters, and I'm very impressed with their performances. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They, 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 I forget that I'm watching actresses. I'm watching Anna and Elsa. And I'm not, like, a huge, huge Frozen fan. Like, I like it, but I'm not like, oh, Frozen. But I watch them on the screen, and I, I am like, well, clearly that's Elsa. Like, it, it does not even... I'm not even pulled out of that world when I watch, which is saying something about the actresses, considering this is only the second time we've seen them on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm in complete agreement there. Okay, so let's get on into this then. So the episode starts out with Anna inside Gold Shop, and she's you know kind of it's kind of taking off from exactly where the premiere ended. She's found Anna's necklace, and she's absolutely determined to find her. Um, and then she goes outside of the shop and see, she kind of sees, I, I noticed that the camera was moving and following the cars, and I think that that was a way of visualizing Elsa, realizing that that's how people travel in this land. And so she decides that, you know, until she finds her sister, nobody is leaving this town. And so she creates, you know, a huge ice wall completely around Storybrooke, which, you know, it's been commented on many times, so, uh, we, you know, we might as well get out of the way now. I was totally waiting for the Night Watchmen from Game of Thrones to show up and that somebody would, you know, be taking the oath because it it really reminds me of the wall from Westeros. And the watchers on the wall. Love it. (laughs) So, yeah, the wall is created, um, which, you know, I'm really interested to find out if this curse includes the, you know, caveat that nobody can leave like the first curse did. Um, I would imagine that everything is the same because they created the town the exact same way and everything is very similar. But, you know, they haven't firmly established whether or not these characters can leave. I believe that Adam and Eddie said in one of the interviews before the season started that that is a piece of information that will be revealed this season. But as of yet, we don't have an answer. So I thought that was really interesting. Um because you know, I would, I've, I'm kind of wondering what would happen if they, you know, were able to leave and retain their memories. Who would stay and who would go? So, yeah, huh. I find that pretty. So, um, let me see. Uh, do I have all my notes together here? Yeah. So, um, let's just go by, you know, the present day storyline, and then we'll do the flashback stuff. Um, yeah. So we'll just get to that. So after Elsa creates the ice wall. Um, we see, you know, Snow White is holding baby Neil and she's putting him down to sleep and she says, okay, I'll see you in three hours for your midnight shrieking sweet dreams. Um, that <laughs> cracked me up. That, that totally cracked me up. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious and it, and it was kind of signaling then that, you know, Snow White hasn't had a lot of sleep since she's got a newborn around. Yeah. My mom too, which I think is, that's going to be really interesting to watch her actually deal with motherhood from the start. I'm excited to see more with her bouncing baby Neil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really I excited. So. To, yeah, go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say, I really, I mean, I like Snow in general, but I really loved her in this episode. I thought it was the spunkiest and the sharpest and just the wittiest she's been as far as the dialogue writing in a while. I really loved her in this in this episode. Black and blue will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Um it was yeah, good stuff. I I'm I can't wait I can't wait to see how it's gonna play out as far as, you know, what they've already mentioned as far as um you know, Snow and Charming getting used to being parents and how that's going to affect their relationship with Emma and how Emma's going to feel about everything. I can't wait to see how that all is going to play out. And I think that, you know, this is kind of the first sign of that part of the storyline. So uh-huh. um, so then after that, um, oh, after Snow White's Sweet Dreams, there was another exchange, which I love. 
Because Snow says, sweet dreams. And then Henry says, what do babies dream about? And Charming's like bullfighting. And Emma's like laser tag. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious to me. And you can see where Emma gets her sense of humor. She totally gets it from Charming. Oh, yeah. I love the family dynamics in this. I really did just a little, like, bad, like, bleh. I'm just so family into it right now. I can't even articulate myself. Um, just the, the back and forth between all the characters. But, yeah, the, the family bits. I really like that because, again, family is the crux of this show. And just showing all of them coexisting together, I more of that, please. I agree. Definitely. I agree. That is totally what I want more of. So then after that, you know, um, Henry is busy assembling a care package for Regina full of chocolate, red wine, DVDs, things like that. I got to say, whoever ends up with Henry is going to be a pretty lucky gal or guy because um, – you know, he already knows how to take care of business. And he's only, like, what, 12, 11, 13, something like that? So, something like that. Something like Somewhere around there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but then right after that, a crow arrives at the window. Hmm. And the crow bears a message. And the message is from Regina. And Snow gives the note to Henry. And it says that, you know, Regina doesn't want to see him. Um, which is really quite sad. And honestly, it made me wonder if... You know, just because of the timing of that, it made me wonder if Regina was watching Henry through her mirror the way that she does. Mm, good point. Were there any mirrors in the room? I don't recall. They would I don't recall if there were or the not. Hmm. Yeah, I was looking for one, but I didn't. I didn't see any. But it still made me wonder, just because the timing was just kind of perfect for that. So, although it would be kind of creepy um, on Regina's half if she were to just kind of, you know, be watching what's going on in the magic mirror, like, come on, Regina, get some Netflix, babe. Like, you're holed up in the house. Get some popcorn. <laughs> go watch some Netflix. Stay away from your mirrors. Tell Sydney, you know, let Sydney out for a minute. Maybe let him have a bite to eat. Um, you know, something. Speaking of, mirrors, or speaking of Netflix, though, why didn't she just call Snow White's house? Why is she like, well, I'm going to send Bird, Birdgram over to I'm, I'm going to literally tweet her and, you know, or tweet the house and send a message that way. Um, um, I, maybe it's that, that regal flair. Well, yeah, you know, she's still, you know, she's still, well, you know, maybe, you know, in the grand scheme of things, because of the fact that, you know, the Charmings are the Charmings, maybe Regina just never bothered to get their number. That is very true. Could uh, be. You know, you never, I mean, I can't imagine her being so gung-ho to be like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, have their phone number and I'm going to call them all the time and me and Mary Margaret will go to the mall and we'll hang out and, you know, we'll go get our nails done together and stuff like that. So. And plus, people like to send chickens and other various birds flying in this. We got to do a big conversation, if you guys remember, about the uh, love chicken in the episode from season one with the doves. So there's a long line of birds and meeting and chickens and other various fowl. Yeah, totally. Oh, the love chicken. Anyways, um, so Henry leaves and he goes to Granny's and Emma follows him. She tries to comfort him about everything that's going on, but, you know, the boy is just sad, which, you know, I would be too. Um, totally understand where he's coming from on that. So I got you, Henry. I know how you feel, man. I feel the same way. Cool, dude. I'm here for you, bro. Um, you know, he, and then that's when the power goes out because Emma's, or Emma's, Elsa's magic ice ball has encircled the town. So, you know, Emma's got to go figure it out. She gets a call from David and the two of them go. So, you know, Emma and David are in the car. They're in the sheriff's car. They're going to investigate why the power is out. And they're discussing, you know, Henry and what's going on and children and things like that. And I thought it was really it was really great touch how Charming brings up the fact that, you know, Henry has two moms who both put walls up because it really does, you know, emphasize the point that Regina and Emma are basically two sides of the same coin. Um, you know, they're, they're very similar women. You know what I mean? I love that. Mm-hmm. I do too. They're both very strong and they are like, especially in earlier seasons when, Regina was being so dark and Emma was, you know, the savior of the whole light side. It was two sides of that 
that coin, they were very different but very similar. And I, I loved that comment by by Charming in this episode about him getting that from both of his mothers. The thing I really like about that scene or, or in, in any this whole the beginning bits where everyone's comforting Henry is the fact that we have officially 100% moved on past the, no, he's my son business from season two. Yeah. And, and they are a family unit now. And that's the thing that I appreciate the most from that um, scene because I don't know about you guys. I did enjoy season two, but that back and forth was a bit much for me. It was like, you guys, no, but you're all there for for, the, for Henry, so be a family. But um, together. <laughs> now we've seen the progression of these characters, and we've seen, yeah, exactly, we've seen they've pulled it together, and, and they're facing anything that they need to face, you know, pretty much together. Yeah, I agree. I I... I really enjoy the whole, you know, the family aspect and the fact that they're finally realizing that that, you know, that they have to move on from that whole thing. I really like that a lot. So, you know, it makes me happy. So let's see. Then after that, um, when they get to the wall, you know, they, you know, um, David says, you know, oh, and then, oh, two, one more thing too. David says at the one point that there's always people in this world who want you to give up. Don't make their jobs any easier. I thought that was a really nice little way for the writers and, you know, Jane and everybody to kind of give the audience members who are watching a little, I felt like it was almost, you know, a reference to everybody who's watching it, you know, to kind of, you know, keep everybody's spirits up and, you know, to always, you know, have hope. And it was really going with the theme of the show. So I really loved that they, that Jane included that line in the episode. I agree. I always end up loving Jane's episodes. And I don't think I knew that Jane wrote this one until kind of close to the last minute. But I love her writing so much. She really does. I mean, let's be honest, Warlord Bo Peep, this could have turned into a huge fiasco, but I loved it. So I, she, her writing is so smart, and I love the way she puts these little things in. It's just really, really clever. Ashley, your two cents? I just, I, I do always enjoy Jane episodes, so I always feel like they're a bit lighter, but they do have their very... Um, that's way to put this, a strong heart. And uh, lines like that really, they, 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 that's the strong heart right there. That's the, you can have all the funny bits and you can have all, you know, the silliness and the running around and fairy tales. But at the, at the end of the day, the crux of what she writes is very much in line that hits you, hit the audience and really bring you back to the main themes of the show, so I, I mean, I always like Jane episodes. You can, and I, for me, I can always tell when they're Jane episodes. You can really tell she, she's got those tongue twisters in there, the really whippy writing. Um, oh. But I do like it when she gets a bit deep and she kind of sneaks it. It's like, oh wait, no, I learned something. I felt something. Like you, you stuck it in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, okay, so back to the discussion now because uh, we got to we got to keep it going along. So. Um, they, when they arrive at the wall, you know, Elsa is trying to hide. And, you know, there's only so many places you can hide in the ice wall. So, meanwhile, back at the apartment, Grumpy, Granny, and Happy all arrive to get the power back on. And that's where we get the reveal that, you know, Snow is mayor because she cast the curse. And Grumpy says, you know, this is your kingdom. Now rule it. Um, oh, rude. Which I, yeah, rude. Um <laughs> But, you know, but he has a point, though, too. I mean, it is her kingdom now. You know, she does need to kind of take responsibility for the fact that she is the queen these days. Or, well, the mayor, I guess, if you will. But um, I wonder if we're ever going to see, you know, Snow get to become queen. I'm really um, kind of interested in that. Is she technically still a princess, quote-unquote? Or I, I, yeah, honestly, see, that's what I'm saying. The, king, the way the kingdoms work, because I do remember one of the extra bonus whatevers for once uh, talked about uh, in, in the, the very silky narrator voice, like, Henry is the heir of probably four kingdoms. And I was thinking about that, like, well, how does that work? Like, I would love to see the show maybe end up with him being the ruler of 
fairy tale, storybook, whatever, wherever they end up. Um, but yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure how the the monarchy hierarchy works now. Hmm. I would think. I mean, Regina said in this episode. Well, actually, in the deleted scene, this is your curse, and someone else said it to her too. This is your curse. You get to rule this time. So somehow, I guess you 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 make the curse. You get to make his office. So. But I would think, I mean, there's nobody ahead of her as far as the monarchy. So I would think she's Queen Snow now. She can't be Snow Queen because we already have Snow Queen now in the ice cream shop. True. Yes. I'm very interested to see her ma- more running around trying to mare because, you know, and we'll see it later in the episode, leading folks in a feudal fairy tale medieval setting is a bit different. You know, you live by the sword. It's a bit different than having a dwarf come into your apartment in the middle of the night whining about his DVR. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah, that part was hilarious. We'll get to that in just a second here. Okay, cool. So, um, So then we're back at the wall. Hook arrives at the ice wall. And Emma realizes that whoever put up the wall is just trying to keep them in, and she wonders why that is. And Hook says, to kill us off one by one. Now, I find that very interesting because it's basically hinting at what the Snow Queen's plan is going to be. That is probably her plan, is to kill them off one by one. So even though it was Elsa who originally put the wall up, he's actually speaking more on what the Snow Queen's plan is, and he doesn't even realize it. So I love how Jane kind of threw that in there, too. Yeah. yeah. Her plan can't be good. We haven't heard, I haven't heard exactly what the, if we know for sure what her plan is, but I think next week is going to start to really get into that. If I'm thinking of, I read the, uh, the, synopsis that ABC puts out. So I think we're really going to get to start to see what her issue is. I know I dig that, you know, instant making some ice cream power. I'm all about that. Well, I think it's also interesting, too, that you have Hook, and he he is on the side of good, but he still thinks like a pirate. And that might be a great asset for them um, now that they're going to be in a contained space fighting uh, another evil like with Hook 100% on their side, you know, he's going to have some tricks up his uh, sleeve. I should have made a Hook joke there, but you know what? I missed it. Um, So it's it's interesting that he is still kind of thinking along those lines as well. Yeah, I agree. It is going to be something that ends up paying off for them because he has the mind of a villain, and, you know, other than Regina, the rest of them don't. So Mm -hmm. I, I I do think that it's going to play into what's happening there. Uh, you know, and Hook also mentioned, too, when he got to the wall that, you know, he counts the wall as their second date because the snow monster was the first. And the reason for that is because if he was waiting for a nice sit-down dinner between him and Emma, then he would never get one. You know, I did think that that was, uh, was kind of cute and also shows that, you know, Hook understands Emma and the way that she is and, you know, that he's not trying to put any pressure on her, per se, which I do enjoy that. So then um, after Emma sees something up on the wall, David becomes protective of Emma, and, you know, and he tells Hook that she's not a conquest, which, you know, I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, uh-huh. Way to go, Daddy Charming. And that's when, El- uh, that's when Emma meets Elsa. And Elsa says that she's looking for her sister, and she shows Emma the necklace. And Elsa has this great line, I found it in the store full of things. Um, I up, but it's like, because the thing is, though, if you live in storybook, you're like, oh, yeah, Mr. Goldshop. It's like your hideous parent puppets are in there, too. Like, everything, you know. It is, that's what it is. Like, I'm yeah, that, that cracks me up. Because it's like, well, what is she, what is she going to call it? She doesn't know what a pawn shop is. So, I mean, she can't say I found it in the pawn shop. Um, I love, I just thought, I found it in the store full of things. Yep. You, yeah, it, it is a store full of things. You're right. So, I thought that was so cute. <laughs> Then Elsa gives Emma Anna's name so that they can try and figure out exactly where she is. Right after that is when Hook and Charming approach Emma and Elsa. Elsa gets freaked out and creates more ice. So, you know, when ice is falling, snow is falling, Emma is hitting her head in places, you know, all kinds of drama is going on. And when she's done with that, it's revealed that, in fact, she has created an ice cave. And Hook is determined to get to Emma 
and refuses to give up, which is completely in line with, you know, the theme of this episode. Not giving, and in fact, it's the season, never give up on people you love. So, you know, I did enjoy that quite a bit. Um, inside the cave, Emma and Elsa are in there, and Elsa demands her sister or she won't free them. And then David calls through, or Charming, excuse me, calls through on the walkie-talkie, and Elsa asks what it is. Emma explains that it allows her to talk to her father outside, and then she says, Dad, can you hear me? Oh, my God. All of the Charming family feels after that line. She called him Dad. Yes. Aww. Loved it. It's a small one, but I loved it. It shows growth as far as her accepting him as her dad. Like, I loved yeah. it. thought it was great. Um, Elsa gets on the horn, and she demands her sister or else she's going to freeze the town. And Emma has this look on her face like, oh, great. Um, meanwhile, back at the power plant, the group is trying to restore power. And this was one of the the scenes that they previewed before this, the episode aired, and I absolutely adore it because it's when Snow White totally blows up. And she has that great bit, thinking about how she hasn't had very much sleep. And, you know, I may have cast a little curse, but I did not have to take over a metropolitan you know, power grid, you have survived your entire lives without light bulbs by a flashlight. Um, it's true, though. I love it. It is true. <laughs> indoor plumbing, for God's sake. You guys can see well, it. Like, it. It totally cracked me up. And I also loved how before they get into the power plant, they, you know, um, Beverly Elliott, you know, Grant has that, she has that line where she says, you know, is she fixing it? I have a refrigerator full of iffy clams. Um, you know, it's it's just it's small stuff like that. You know, kind of you know the things that they have to worry about in their daily lives, and it's addition. You know, in addition to the DVR, the TV, the clock, the coffee maker, you know, everything that they had named off earlier. I just thought it was really good stuff. Um, yeah, but I I adore that scene. I think it's hilarious. Um, and I think that's kind of the general consensus is that people really thought that that scene was pretty funny. So. Oh, yeah. It was, I, I, the B story was interesting because I, I think it sets up a lot for Snow and future episodes, but it also, also was a bit of levity because, I mean, you know, as we'll talk about in, in a minute or in a couple of minutes about, you know, Charming's backstory, like things got a little heavy there. Um, so yeah. to have the, uh, well, first of all, it's always great to see the other denizens of Storybook, like, you know, the dwarves and Granny and whomever, um, but just to have that little bit of lightness too really help balance the episode, I think. Yeah, I agree with you on that. So then back in the cave, Emma asks Elsa if she's cold because she's freezing, and Elsa says, it's never bothered me. I loved it. <laughs> you could so Let it go. Let it go reference for the win. And then Emma asks if Elsa made the snow monster and, you know, apologizes for Anna's necklace falling into the ice. And, you know, Emma realizes that Elsa can't really control her magic. And Elsa says, what makes you think you know me? And Emma says, because I know me, I have powers too. And then they have that great conversation where they bond over having magic that they can't control. You know, Emma tries to use magic, but she can't because she's freezing and she can't control it. You know, and she starts to fall to the ground, and Elsa says, you know, were you born with magic or were you cursed? And Emma says, well, if those are my only two options. And I think that that's really interesting because we know that there's a third option when it comes to doing magic, which is learning it, as evidenced by Zelina and Regina. And mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of a hint to the fact that Henry is going to be spending more time with Rumpelstiltskin and, you know, is probably going to be the Sorcerer's Apprentice and end up wearing that gorgeous Sorcerer's hat from the first episode of the season. I'm just saying, I think it's a hint. Um, So then Emma tells Elsa that she is a savior, but that she doesn't know what that means. And Elsa talks about how she tries to save people by shutting them out, and she's the only one that she knows of with ice magic. And Emma says, that must be very lonely. And it was in that conversation that I realized, I was like, oh, my God, these two are exactly like each other. Like, they're just like each other. It's no wonder they're going to be friends. Like, oh, my God. I can't wait till they get out. Like next week, I I I want to see so much more of the Emma Elsa relationship. I think it's going to really be something new that we haven't seen for Emma yet. Because Emma, yeah, she was you know living and roomies with Snow, but she was still so behind the wall at that point, you know. 
and now she's opened up more, and she's, you know, got somebody who's definitely going to be a friend that she can open up and be besties with. So I'm really excited to see more of it. Mm, I actually, I really like that as, as much as they bonded over their uniqueness with magic, they also did talk about um, how they both kind of had responsibilities thrust upon them and how that also isolated them a bit. I mean, with Elsa having to take on the ruling of her kingdom at such a young age, and then with Emma and her saviorship, which she's, she's still figuring out. I mean, they're both they're both kind of learning by the seat of their pants, I don't want to say. I mean, that, that sounds a bit like flippant, but they are both still coming to grips with their responsibility, and I don't think either of them really had somebody in their lives that they could relate to with that. So I'm really interested to see that as well, like where both of their roles as kind of like a figurehead and a leader play into their friendship. I agree. I, I can't wait to see how their relationship is going to play out. I'm really excited for it. Um, so then Elsa apologizes for the cave and Emma starts to go unconscious. Meanwhile, Hook and Charming go to Rumple and Belle for help at the pawn shop, but Rumple refuses to help them. And he mentions that, you know, um, David mentions the necklace, and Belle pulls out a filing card with a picture of it, and that's when Charming realizes that Elsa's sister is Anna. And um, back in the cave, Elsa is asking Emma about her son, but then Emma falls asleep. And then right after that, Charming goes to the chop shop, whose proprietor is revealed to be the storybook version of Bo Peep. Um, just want to mention, too, yeah, she is psycho. Um, just want to mention really quickly that when he is on his way into the chop shop, he does pass the ice cream shop any given Sunday, which will come into play later on in the episode. So then he asks both for her help, but she refuses, and she's about to kill him with her cleaver before Hook interferes. Psycho! And then, you know, Hook, Hook grabs the shepherd's crook, and they leave after Elsa calls on the walkie-talkie and says that Emma is freezing to death. So funny. I, I thought it was hilarious that Peep was the butcher. You they walk in, she's like chopping up, you know, now, yeah, now you know what happened to her sheep. Chopped up, taking some muttons up. I just said this in the chat room. Who the heck? I mean, I know, I guess because the power's out, she's worried about her stock. Who the heck sits there in their in their shop in the in like in the dark in the middle of the night chopping meat? <laughs> and then yeah, Charming came in and he was a bit. Um, aggressive, but he wasn't terribly hostile. And she's like, oh, are you going to get the other end of the cleaver now? And then just, like, completely is about to, like, give him the job. And I just, she's such a, she's such a nutcase. I, oh, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly who does that. Bo Peep, Buffalo <laughs> Bill, and the crazy woman that Kathy Bates played from Misery. Those, those are those are the kind those are the kind of people who chop me you know late at night. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good good company there. Whoops. So then they head back to um you know they head back to the ice wall and you know Elsa basically you know she drills a hole if you will using her magic through the ice wall and they all escape right like Emma and Elsa escape they go back to the apartment you know Hook holds Emma's hand um you know. They, you know, they bring the crook in and they hear the heartbeat, so they know that Anna is still alive, and so they still got to go find her and search for her. But the important thing is that Anna is still alive somewhere in Storybrooke. Okay, cool. Meanwhile, back in the flashback, Anna arrives at David's cabin, and David apparently knows Kristoff and also knows members of Def Leppard because of his hair. Um, And then Anna says that she was named Joan. As in, hang in there, Joan, from the song. And she I, needs his help with the secret mission. And then both people rise and they're all in trouble. Now, okay, Charming's hair is, is just fantastic. Um, I wonder when he gets his hair cut. Um, with, I didn't get the Joan reference at first. I'm like, this name must mean something, but I don't know what internet help me. And, of course, Twitter was like, well, you see here. So that was... That was uh, good, good on Twitter because I mean, like I've seen Frozen once. I'm, I know I'm a bad Disney fan, but like I, so I was like, wait, there's a reference here. I know it. Help me find it. But um, Bo Peep. Uh, do we want to take a minute to talk about her? Cause she cracked me up. 
Um, I don't want to talk too long because it looks like we're we're getting a little short on time. But I have to just say, like, I really love this the twist on this character. Um, because she's you know she's warlord Bo Peep, but she's still got the frills and and, and the crook and the, and the hat and the frou frou carriage. And then she walks up and she's just like a sass mister. She's like, "Hey Bo Peep, well what a cookie Bo Peep. I'm here to make you part of my frock now." And you can tell I've been practicing all day on my Cockney accent just for the podcast. So thumbs up. But um. I I think the bit with the crook, um, while it served its purpose in this episode, was an interesting twist on the character um, because she, the crook, you know, she brands people as part of her flock, and then um, she will always be able to find them. You know, she, she doesn't lose her sheep like the nursery rhyme. And I was like, oh, that that's pretty. That's actually pretty clever. So just seeing like this this oh, I'm trying to. PC words here. This this woman, um, in this like you know frilly get up like just completely poison underneath was she was just fun. I don't it's just fun a hundred percent. Yeah, she's a. I mean, I'll 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 just say it. She's a bit of a bitch. Um, <laughs> okay. She just is. I mean, I'm sorry. She was going to try and murder Prince Charming with a cleaver at a chop shop. I mean, I'm sorry. That that qualifies you as bitch material, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. So then after Bo Peep arrives, she confronts David and Ruth for her, the payment for their farm. And, of course, they're broke, so she gives them a day to get it together, and she uses her magic crook to brand them as her sheep, as part of her flock, which is so just twisted. And then Anna chastises David about not wanting to fight, telling him that he needs to fight, you know, and not give up, and she offers to teach him swordplay. So then Anna and David are practicing sword fighting, and, you know, she keeps the upper hand on him. And David is very quick to give up and says that he recognizes battles that can't be won. And Anna says that running away is what her sister did and that it's not the answer. And Anna says he knows nothing about loss, and David says that, Loss is why he wants to give up, and Anna says, no, it's cowardice. And then this is where the episode got really heavy. This is where the episode got really heavy, and I wanted to take a minute to talk about this. David starts talking about how his parents used to fight over his father's drinking, and one night his father was crying, saying that he would, you know, beat the drink, so to speak, and be better, be different, and stop being a drunk. And then he talks about how, you know, they, his father would have to leave every few months to go get supplies. It was a two-week journey. And that, you know, this time it was going to be different how he would wake up every morning for 13 days with a smile on his face, knowing his father was going to come home and things were going to be different. And then on the 14th day, he is awoken by the local constable and they find out that his father died after, you know, riding their wagon into a ravine after going on a bender and getting totally drunk. And that's what he's talking about when he says that some battles can't be won. You know, and Anna hopes that David is stronger than that and offers to help him keep training if he wants to. Okay, I did not see this coming at all. Not at all. Me either. And no, I, found, I, like, I was shocked that, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I was shocked that the way, it was really a heavy scene, and the way Charming described his own father made him sound like Russell Silkin's father, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, "Whoa!" They have yeah, more it really made it really know. made them very very similar characters, um, you know, and kind of it kind of helps fill in the blanks as far as why Charming is so understanding of Rumpelstiltskin. I I just thought I thought it was I thought it was really good. I also think that it spoke to um, you know a real life subject that you know people deal with on a daily basis. You know, on um, Addiction has been part of the show from the very beginning as far as Regina's addiction to magic, Rumpel's addiction to magic, and things like that. Magic is almost a metaphor for addiction, if you will. So Uh I think the fact that it was included still keeps in line with that aspect of the show, but I also think that by including it and by discussing a subject that so many people, you know, like a, a problem that so many people face either themselves or having a loved one who's going through it every day in their daily lives here, you know, it's kind of like earlier where, you know, um, David said that there were people in life who always want you to give up and don't make their jobs any easier. I feel like this was another 
kind of almost like a bone thrown to the audience and saying, you know, we know that you have real life issues going on, but, you know, it's okay. You can get past it. You know, just keep the hope, keep the faith. You can do it. I thought that it was a brilliant touch on Jane's part to make Charming's father a rather, from what it sounds like, a rather undesirable person to be around because you expect that David's, you know, that Charming's dad would be a lot like Charming. And the fact that he was the complete opposite I thought I thought that was just a great move. Ashley, what do you think about this? I think um, I agree with you that I I mean because a lot of a lot of talk goes on, especially during the hiatuses when we're all doing conventions and stuff, that uh, everyone wants to know: Does the cast know how much the show has affected all of us? Does do the writers know how much solace the fans find in Once Upon a Time? And I think additions like this, where you, like you said, have a real life problem that people do go through. It's a perfect example of, yes, they do know and they do understand that people turn to the show as for a comfort. To, they see themselves in the show. Um, I tweeted, like, a, a couple of weeks ago a really great quote that I think kind of feeds into this that I think is the crux of Once Upon a Time, among other themes like hope and family, is that fairy tales – oh, God, I'm going to screw it up, too. Fairy tales aren't about – the fact that there are dragons, it's they're about the fact that dragons can be beaten. And mm. I think that that is very apt, especially. That's the first thing that popped in my head, Zach, when you were, were speaking about the, the the fact that this was a real life. This is a real life dragon. And what Charming goes through in this episode, I mean, he, like so many people, as many characters in this episode, put walls up, they run away, they hide. But what Anna's trying to get him to do, or Anna, excuse me, is to beat that dragon and to win the battle. And so I just think that's all very apt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I thought I thought it was it's really heavy, but I, I love the fact that they included it because I think that a lot of audience members, you know, who are watching this have experienced that themselves or they have a family member going through it and it really is a way of giving people hope that you can get through that kind of a thing. So, you know, I I just love its inclusion. I love that it was so unexpected, that it's the complete opposite of what you would think was going to happen. Jane, once again, has turned, you know, kind of like with Bo Peep, she turned our expectations for what was going to happen into something completely different. And I think that it's, you know, it's genius. I adore it. And I'm really happy that they went that route with it, to be honest. I I really do. Um, I'm happy with it. So then um, after that, you know, um, David goes into the barn to kind of, you know, try and persuade Anna to leave, but then that's when he meets Bo Peep, you know, and that's when she reveals that she has branded Anna as part of her flock, and you know, there's nothing to be done. She's so rude. She's got that branding, and I, I wonder with that branding. I mean, is it literal, or does it just mean like? Hey, I've tagged you, and now I, I can. I will aura. always find you. Well, I think it's a magical aura, but I think it's very interesting she insists on using the term branding because that's the, you know what you would call what you do to livestock. So it shows you know how what she thinks of her flock. So mm. yeah, um, but you know, Burning does end up whipping her in the end. I you know go him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing I was thinking about, too, was if this interaction with Anna had not happened with Charming, if his path with Snow would have ended up the same. I mean, it seems like, you know, she kind of really was a big catalyst to get him to be brave and stand up for himself and to have hope when there is none which really became central to his character. So, I mean, I, I I almost feel like if he hadn't had that interaction with Anna, that his path would snow, everything would be different from that point forward. I agree. It, it would not have been the same. I don't think it would have been the same at all. Oh, no. And, you know, and I don't think he would have known how to use a sword to uh, defeat King Midas' dragon either. So, you know, there's that. Um. I mean, and at that point, too, because afterwards, you know, that's when he goes, you know, he goes to, you know, Bo Peep, essentially, and, you know, battles her guards and, 
you know, defeats her and then takes the crook, um, uh-huh. which I think is so funny because Bo Peep is essentially a crook and she uses a crook. Like, are we all catching that nice little kind of reference there? I'm, you know, loving, loving the metaphors again. Say again? Um, so, so he whoops Bo Peep, and then, oh, well, there is that one bit at the end um, where, so I guess, you know, everything's hunky-dory after he, he finds Anna uh, via Bo Peep's crook, um, and then, so Anna, I, I thought this was very funny, when Anna's getting her provisions, you know, her favorite sandwiches, um, there's another, I, I know that reference from Frozen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she asked Ruth, like, so this this magic, this magic field, is this, is this a, on the regular? And Ruth's like, girl, let me tell you a thing. <laughs> so, but because of that, I mean, Anna's obviously, you know, she's, despite all this, she's still on her mission. Um, she, you know, she asked Ruth, like, well, okay, so do you, who can, who knows of these mystical ways? And, of course, Ruth doesn't want to say his name, but she flipped Anna a piece of paper, um, as she leaves, and, you know, of course, you know, whose name is on it, but our good friend Rumpelstiltskin. So Rumpel is, you know, he's got Anna in his sights. I find that very interesting for um, for the future, that it's not so much else, because, you know, Rumpel has Elsa's urn, but we also now see that Rumpel is very aware of the other sisters. So I'm just, I'm really, really curious to see how this all kind of plays out. I love the Yeah, and there were some... Know. Yes, okay. the fact that that Ruth would not say his name. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. That was perfect. I love that. It threw back to the whole original thing of him, you know, that's what he trafficked in was names. And even in the pilot and the original stories, and, you know, we have the comment in the pilot where the guard says, don't tell him your name or he'll have power over you. So I love that we got back to the name. Love that when we get back into Storybrooke, that we see the Snow Queen and Grumpy's in her shop, and he's obviously smitten by the look on his face, and, you know, she has that magical ice cream power, which I already mentioned is fabulous. And, Zach, I know you love Elizabeth Mitchell, too, as much as we do, so you were probably over the moon to see that. Well, I, I think it's interesting because... Um, well, in addition, to, um, in addition to loving Elizabeth Mitchell, I also love ice cream. So I really enjoy the fact that, um, you know, she is kind of, you know, running the, the ice cream parlor and stuff like that. One scene that I want to make sure that we talk about, too, because we've only got a few minutes left, is the scene where Henry goes to Regina's house and demands to mm. be let in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where he's like, I'm not, you know, not going to give up on you. And then he's like, I miss my room. Like, I, that's such a teenager move to me. I loved it. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, just, I, that, I love that he, you know, he found inspiration in Charming, that Charming wouldn't give up. And then so he marches right over to Regina's house. He's like, I'm not giving up on you. You think everyone's left you, but no, you've got someone here. And it was shot beautifully. I love the, I loved the, the, the wide scene, um, the one further back where it's shooting down the hall. And in the door frame, you just have um, Regina and Henry hugging. I love that shot. Yeah, like, it was just, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was really, really touching. Um, I thought it was really nice. And, you know, it really shows how much Henry cares about, you know, Regina. So yeah. I I thought that was really, you know, and how much she cares about him, too. Um, we've only got about two minutes or so left, so um, yeah, just you know, as far as last minute thoughts go, I'm really excited for next week's episode. I'm really excited for the Snow Queen. Oh, and then oh, so the other part too, when they went back to the wall, Elsa couldn't melt the wall, and she didn't understand why, because there's nobody else who has her powers, and that's when we were, you know, got the reveal of the Snow Queen in the ice cream shop. So um, yeah, lots of lots of stuff's going to be happening very very soon. Like, next week, as a matter of fact. I'm interested to see what's going to happen next, because it seems like, like Bo Peep, the uh, the Ice Queen, or the Snow Queen, excuse me, was lying low, and maybe Elsa's presence in the town. I I want to know what the Snow Queen's deal is, and I think we're going to find that out soon, so I'm really excited for that. Yeah, um, I want to know what her, I want to know what her grand plan is, um, as far as what's going on. I'm really curious. Uh, 
you know, what her end game is going to be, like what her plot is, because as we saw from the promo, and, you know, we might run a few minutes over, and that's okay, because I scheduled it for longer anyway, so that's all right. But um, I found it really interesting that, you know, we saw her not only, um, you know, not only did we see the Snow Queen, you know, confronting Anna, or excuse me, confronting Elsa and, um, you know, kind of Emma too, but we also see her creating a little replica of um, Elsa's, you know, snow ice palace thing um, mm-hmm. in the woods. I thought that was really, really interesting. Definitely. I can't wait is for she, next week. She's going so to excited. make her new kingdom or something? Like, is that what her plan is? I don't know. Well, you know, like, there's, there's a lot of queens, like we were saying before, there's a lot of uh, folks who are ruling in this town, so maybe the Snow Queen sees that as her opportunity to become a queen again, as opposed to an ice cream mistress. Yeah, like, I'm curious about what I really, God, I can't wait for this. I think it's going to be really good. I also, you know, um, as much as I like seeing the flashbacks of Anna, I am ready for them to find her in Storybrook now, too. Um, I'm I'm ready for that reunion. Um, I really want to know where she's at. You know where, you know she where Bo Peep put her. And the thing that I don't understand too is okay they have they have Bo Peep's, Bo Peep's crook, so they know that she's alive because of her heartbeat. Can't they just go back to to Bo Peep and ask her where she is? Yeah, like Bo Peep. Well, like, I mean, she was playing cleavers though. Well, I hope Peep didn't eat her. I believe. They should just bring they should just bring Rumpel with him and he can just force him out of her. Like that'd be really uh, no doubt. Take it out of her. <laughs> as long as Sophie didn't eat Anna, <laughs> we'll be okay. Yeah, so next week's gonna be a really good episode. Um that's pretty much gonna do it for tonight's podcast, everybody. Thank you all very much for joining us. And Ashley, I'm very, very happy and Excited and proud to have you joining the podcast team, by the way. Hashtag just say. I just wanted to say that real quick. So um, thank, you. thank you very much for joining us tonight. So, yeah, everybody, make sure that you tune in next week for our episode. We'll be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and it'll be a normal hour-and-a-half podcast next week. We'll be cutting it short, and we'll have all of our views on the next episode, which is called Rocky Road. So we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you.